0: Hey everybody out there in podcast land, yes, it is that time, it is Friday evening, February the 24th, 2023, episode 80 of The Fortress of Rock. I am the maestro Kevin Crane, as always, glad, happy, ecstatic beyond belief to have you aboard as we talk about one of the most important things, in my opinion, in the world, Something that gets us through each and every day. That is rock and roll. And of course, segment one here on The Fortress each and every Friday is news of the world. Our tribute to the late, great Freddie Mercury and Queen. Starting off with some interesting collaboration news. Now, I guess this is not the first time that these two massive entities have worked together, but for me at least, it kind of took me aback that we've got a new Rolling Stones album in the works, and again, kudos to them for still grinding out new music after all these decades and decades. Now, not only will the new Rolling Stones album have the final contributions from the late great drummer Charlie Watts, well, I guess great is a stretch. Nobody is going to confuse Charlie Watts with Neil Peart, but still a legendary rock drummer of his own accord. That's not really the shocking aspect of this new Stones album. The surviving members of the Beatles, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, will make appearances, by all accounts, on the new Rolling Stones album. Now again, like I mentioned, I wasn't aware of it, but I guess there have been collaborations in the past between members of the Stones and the Beatles. But this is just, to me, fantastic news. And you guys know I am not the biggest Beatles fan in the world. I do love the Stones, but this is great, great news in terms of general, just rock and roll news. Great, great stuff. The elder statesmen of rock and roll working together, keeping that flame, that eternal flame of rock and roll alive. Hopefully we'll get that new Stones album sometime late in 2023. Speaking of interesting... Legendary collaborations. We've talked a lot about Steve Vai lately between solo music he's put out here over the last couple years and recently his early 90s collaboration, Vi Gash. Again, very productive. And as always, here on the Fortress, we applaud that. New music, keep the creative juices flowing. Don't be like U2 and put out an album every eight years and act like you're doing something impressive or important. And no, the new album this year does not count because, again, it is reworkings of classic U2 songs. So, getting back to Steve Vai, And I'm going to talk a little bit more about you 2 in just a minute. Steve I has come out and said, There is an unreleased 1995 album that he put together with Ozzy Osbourne, and it is just, quote-unquote, sitting on the shelf. Now, of course, we know that record companies' rights, royalties get in the way. I wonder if this entire project will ever see the light of day. Now, obviously, as I mentioned before, Steve I, 30 years after the fact, was finally able to release his collaboration with Johnny Sombrato, a.k.a. Gash. So maybe there'll be hope here in a year or two Ozzy's not going to tour anymore, we know that. I guess a couple different versions of some of these songs have leaked out on other projects, but it would be great to hear the entire 1995 album with Ozzy Osbourne, backed by Steve Vai. Now, of course, I mentioned you, too. Not necessarily in the most glamorous or glowing of terms, but I like YouTube. Don't get me wrong. They're pompous, they're pretentious. They take way too long to put together a new album. But I'm making a prediction here. Now, we've talked about the Super Bowl, and we talked about how they are going to have their residency at the MSG Sphere. At the Venetian in Las Vegas. I got an interesting email today. Now I live in the Midwest, Northern Indiana. Interesting email from the University of Notre Dame that they are going to release on vinyl, of course, in Notre Dame colors, this brand new u2 album this album that features reinterpretations of some of their classic songs i'm beginning to wonder after getting this email why would notre dame put something like this out under their masthead under their banner unless u2 maybe possibly and my prediction is will be playing at notre dame stadium at some point either this year or next year that is the fortress of rocks bold prediction i don't understand why else notre dame would be involved in putting together a special vinyl edition of this new u2 album unless there was something going on behind the scenes, a deeper collaboration with Bono and the Edge and the gang. We shall see. The Foo Fighters are getting their own pinball machine. Stern, the company that put out last year's Rush pinball machine, company that has put out many, many pinball machines in the past, celebrating classic bands, classic rock bands. Their next step, of course, is the Foo Fighters. And of course, unless you're a terribly rich human being with thousands upon thousands of dollars of discretionary income to burn, like me, you will not be able to afford it. But it's still kind of cool, keeping the the whole arcade vibe alive. We all remember playing the pinball machines back when we were younger. The video games, Journeys video game in the arcade, pumping quarters into that. As we saw the, the graphic from the album Frontiers in the classic journey songs that played as you navigated the individual members of the band through their little cheesy action scenarios but straight on pinball the foo fighters we are now covered with them again as stern has announced that there will be a foo fighters pinball machine Guns N' Roses have announced a 2023 world tour, including another swing through North America. The North American leg will be August through October of 2023. Now, I know early on, because weather has to be considered, they're going to get a few outdoor dates, a few outdoor stadium dates involved, including Wrigley Field in Chicago. We keep hearing word from Slash that they are going to slowly, but surely, continue to grind out new music, probably with the same pattern that we saw with Absurd and Hard School, a couple songs at a time, when they've got a chance to get into the studio together. But, of course, Slash swears that they will eventually, at some point, get into a recording studio, most likely next year, and put together a new GNR album. Now, of course, it seems like each and every week here on The Fortress, we have an update on either Pink Floyd and their... War of Words, and they're battling, and they're infighting, or Journey. Well, so far, Journey's been able to hold it together as they're out on tour. No word of any blowups or issues between Neil Sean and Jonathan Cain. And finally, finally, in Austin, Texas, a couple nights ago, Wednesday night, February the 22nd, Greg Riley did join Journey on stage. Would have loved to have seen this show. Would have loved to have seen it. Now, of course, Neil Sean said to the audience stick around after our initial set. We've got something special for you. Of course, in this day and age of social media, everything gets leaked, you can't keep much secret. So because Greg Rowley lives in Texas, everybody figured it was going to be Greg Rowley joining Journey for an extended encore, which is what happened. But the songs they played, man, I wish, I again, wish I could have seen this. I love old school Journey. Love it. Songs included in the extended encore with Greg Rowley, just the same way. And of course the one you knew they were going to play are the two songs that we always heard on rock radio back right around 1980 played together kind of like queen we will rock you we are the champions you couldn't go anywhere if you heard feeling that way you knew any time was coming up next back to back and they played that in this encore. Oh, my God, I would have loved to have heard it. And then, to make things even better, of course, Greg Rowley and Neil Sean were both in Santana before Journey. So, Black Magic Woman was on the slate as well. I know. I'm probably making the sound a little more Intense, sounding a little more giddy than I should, but I would have just loved to have heard Greg Raleigh singing some of these songs from that middle, I I like to think of it as the middle era of Journey, right when Steve Perry joined, right before Greg Raleigh left, they were both in the band together, Infinity, Evolution, Departure, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Austin, Texas, you are lucky. And now I'm hearing that later on this year, there is a show, I believe, in San Antonio, Texas, where they're expecting Greg Rowley to jump in again. So this is not the full-fledged reunion that some of us were hoping for. But it's better than nothing. now you know we've been talking about this for weeks as well on top of the the drama with journey the drama with pink floyd we've also been talking about bringing ticketmaster and live nation down and you guys know how passionate i am about this well maybe something is starting to happen maybe the the wheels of what i would call consumer justice are starting to grind slowly but surely in a positive direction a bipartisan group of senators we discussed how live nation officials ticketmaster officials were brought before congress well the bipartisan group of senators Who were involved in this have told the Attorney General's Office that Live Nation's antitrust response was, quote unquote, wholly insufficient. And if you want to read the whole story, it's on ultimateclassicrock.com. Of course, one of our awesome sources for ideas and stories here on the Fortress of Rock they will get into more detail more than i can about the pathetic responses from live nation basically pleading ignorance to almost any and every question that was put forward to them there's a story in there about one particular musician who talks about $30 tickets for their particular show. $12 fees tacked on to a $30 ticket per person and the artist got $12 total back. Yes, again, $30 tickets $12 fees, $42 tickets overall, the artist got $12, and that was to cover all of their expenses. Equipment, paying the crew, shameful, absolutely shameful on the part of Live Nation and Ticketmaster. And again, check out the full story on ultimateclassicrock.com just to see how Pathetic, again, how ignorant and pathetic the answers that the Live Nation officials gave. How bad they were. Now, we talked last week about Alter Bridge and how we got treated very well down in Indianapolis at the old National Center at the Murat. Here's the thing that I didn't mention really last week. And this is again a, a big pet peeve of mine. You can choose whether or not you want to shell out 30, 40, 50 bucks for a t-shirt. And if you don't want to, obviously, I completely, completely get it. I'll usually buy a shirt half the time. 50-60% of the time, I'll buy a shirt. Now, I will not say on air how many times I buy a bootleg shirt because I could get myself in trouble, but there are certain venues that seem to allow bootleggers outside the venue to sell shirts at half price, but again, I'm on a tangent. When we got our upgrade, which I talked about last week, And again, very, very nice on the part of the Murat. We'd had digital tickets. Of course, the quote unquote convenience that Live Nation and Ticketmaster push on you because they swear it makes things easier. It battles counterfeiting tickets but the reason I brought up the shirts was because if you don't want to spend that kind of crazy money on a t-shirt you know what you always used to have as the one solid physical piece of memorabilia from a show or a sporting event you had the physical ticket and I still find it pathetic and miserable to this day that about a year, two years ago, of course, COVID was a very convenient excuse to start pushing the digital ticket because, of course, it's hands-free. But at Alterbridge, when we got this free upgrade from the back of the floor seats to go up to the quote-unquote royalty seats at the old National Center, wonderful wonderful um employee attendant whatever you want to call her gave us physical tickets for these new seats had a stack of them pulled out a couple seats for us and again treat people well treat people customers with respect do nice things like this this will be One of those memories I cherish where customer service went above and beyond. Am I giving Live Nation credit? No. I will give the Murat and the Old National Center credit and their staff, their wonderful staff, credit. I'm sure Live Nation probably didn't want any part of this. But they've taken away the physical souvenir, the ticket that we could always depend upon to have as a memory, a physical memory of a great concert. But the fees keep going up, you can't get a physical ticket anymore, but the fees keep going up. And of course, we've talked about how competition has been stifled by Live Nation and Ticketmaster. Live Nation, of course, having a vertical monopoly, owning dozens upon dozens upon dozens of venues across the United States. So fees go up, the artist gets less and less, and the the audience, the consumer, not getting a physical piece of memorabilia, a simple piece of printed cardboard or hard paper. How difficult is that? How much does that really cost Live Nation and Ticketmaster to produce? And they won't even let you print tickets anymore. That's the other thing they won't even give you a printed home ticket. It's got to be done on your smartphone. And I still think there is a lawsuit there. You cannot force a human being to have to own a smartphone in order to go to a concert. That's fundamentally wrong, and I'm shocked that there's not some lawyer out there who hasn't jumped on this. It's discrimination. I know, smartphones are everywhere, and almost everybody has one, but you shouldn't have to be required to own a smartphone to go to a concert or a sporting event. It's ridiculous. Which brings me to my last point before we wrap up news of the world. Just bought tickets today for Megadeth. Now it's way, way out. So this will be the last time I talk about this because this isn't until September for me. But I've used this company before, or I should say they've been involved in smaller concerts that I've gone to over the past few years. Etix, E-T-I-X. Bought some cheap seats for Megadeth for me and a couple friends of mine. $25 tickets. Now, I just told you the story about the $30 tickets with the $12 fees that the senators had found out from a performer. $25 tickets for Megadeth. You know how much the fees were? Less than $4. And I was able to print my tickets at home. So at least. I got that still not as good as an official printed ticket coming from the the source but much better than what Ticketmaster and Live Nation put forth so we need to encourage companies like eTix where they have smaller fees lower fees and at least give you the option of printing the ticket, so you've got something to show in terms of you went to the concert you went to this particular date on this particular tour instead of people filming the entire show or sticking their camera up and blocking the people behind them enjoy the show put your phone down if you gave people again a solid piece a physical piece, a tangible piece of memorabilia to remember the show by, maybe we wouldn't get all these morons sticking their phones in the air recording half the show instead of sitting there and enjoying the show like a true fan would. All right, my rant is over. I just hope something comes of these senators pushing the attorney general's office basically saying this was not acceptable. We need to look into Live Nation further. And finally, we have a, uh, a moment of silence, a, a legend, a minor legend still, but a legend of rock and roll, Huey Smith, Huey Piano Smith. You might wonder, who is that? Huey Piano Smith wrote responsible for the great classic song Rockin' Pneumonia and Boogie Woogie Flu. All right, kids, there you go. Segment one News of the World is done. Up next, breakdown. We have got new music. the wazoo a lot of these bands you might not know a few of them you will one or two but most of them will be new to you so stick around we'll discuss some of these new bands some of these bands that have been flying under the radar for years and years that you might not know I'm the maestro on the Fortress of Rock, and I'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane, of course. That was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown, where we are going to review all the new songs, all the new albums, all the new concert tours, the shows that I've seen personally. Stay tuned for that. Of course, we're now available on Spotify Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, Castbox, Google, Pocket Casts and Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hang out kids, we'll be right back. All right, I'm back. The Maestro, Fortress of Rock, episode 80. February the 24th, 2023, new music. Now we're starting to get to the point where some major bands are putting out new stuff and we'll get to that at the end of this episode as we always do with wrap it up but always interesting to dig up stuff from new bands bands that are recommended on spotify bands songs that friends recommend and that's one of the great things about doing this podcast as well as a couple of the other ones that i do is that all of the podcasts that i dabble in involve music to some extent whether it's the one i do with my daughter x2z exclusively on spotify because we have music embedded in each and every show, or, of course, the mothership, as we like to call it, Sports Frenzy 2.0, which, along with my best friends, has been going on in some way, shape, or form for over 30 years. Initially, it was only sports. Now, we've kind of incorporated pop culture into it, and, yes, that includes music. So, we are always looking for new stuff, as I mentioned, to fill the gaps between the big names, the big artists, and their releases. And as I have always complained about here on The Fortress, it takes too long for these big bands to put out albums. And I understand the monetary incentive is not there anymore. But again, if you're going to call yourself creative, then be creative. A creative person should not need a monetary incentive to do what they do best, whether it's writing, whether it's performing, creating music, acting. And the reason I preface breakdown here, our tribute, of course, to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, is because most of this stuff, most of these bands, you will not really know, with an exception or two. Now, our album review of the week is a band called The Carburetors. Believe it or not, they've been around for about two decades. They are a Norwegian band. They are a hard rock band with occasional nods to old-school, 50s and early 60s rock and roll. Now, this was one of those that popped up for me on Spotify as a recommendation. And the first thing that really jumped out at me was the album title. And it has got to be one of the coolest, most badass album titles ever. Now, you would think this would be Something you'd get from Pantera, Slayer, and the carburetors, again, are hard rock, but they're not that hard rock. They're not metal. But the album title here that we're going to review, Drinking from the Skulls of Our Enemies, awesome, just awesome nothing says rock and roll more like an album title like that and of course what makes it better as of course we go through this album 12 tracks track by track is that the first minute long snippet is called drinking from the skulls of our enemies but it is such a blatant Blatant homage to Motley Crue and the beginning of Shout at the Devil in the beginning. And of course, I expect you guys out there to all know the album Shout at the Devil, so you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about in the beginning. This, the mythic storytelling with the creepy, foreboding wind blowing in the background, as that leads into Shout at the Devil, the title track. Same thing here with Drinking from the Skulls of Our Enemies, and that leads into the first full song on the album, Hurricane. And Hurricane's a great, great, great rocking song. Ironically, the guitar riff sounds a lot to me like scorpions. I'm not saying rock you like a hurricane, but you hear that word, hurricane. That's the first song that really pops into your head, unless maybe you're a Y&T fan. But listen to Hurricane and tell me if you don't think the guitar riff sounds like it's been cribbed from the Scorpions. Very, very cool song. And then track three is the one song that, again, Spotify recommended to me that drew me in with an absolutely creative, original guitar riff. The song is Rock Until We Die. And I know, I saw the title. oh boy this sounds about as generic as you can get when it comes to a hard rock song title the song is phenomenal great great song and again the guitar riff very special very cool very unique now here's where my to this point glowing review falls completely apart. Remember my name, track four, is okay. Nothing special. Track five, Endless Nights, almost comes off as a parody. I was halfway expecting Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D to jump in on this because it's so over the top in terms of its rock cliches and its melodies things get a little better on track six with 12 o'clock high a little more energy and then you hit two more mediocre generic songs running wild and shake it And again, the song titles are very, very generic stuff that has been used a thousand times, it seems like, before on hard rock albums throughout the decades. A Little Better is track nine, Living on the Road. Kind of like 12 o'clock high, a little bit more punch, a little bit more energy, but still not, not great. Song 10 is right on through the nighttime, which opens with a really cheesy 80s keyboard intro. Like with Endless Nights, I kind of wonder, are these guys playing with us a little bit? Or are they just not aware of the fact that they are really, on some of these songs, buying in wholeheartedly to old-school 80s rock cliches without offering anything new? Revenge is track 11 again. Mediocre, nothing special. And I should say, when I say mediocre, none of the songs on... Drinking from the Skulls of Our Enemies. None of these songs are bad. But outside of the first couple, nothing stands out. Then the final song, track 12, The Way You Rock and Roll, along with maybe a little bit of Shake It. That's where you start to hear that old school, 50s and 60s rock influence. There's some piano in this song. This is a a male-female duet, Um, but again, it's just not anything I'm going to go out of my way to listen to again. If any of you know the band Airborne, who've been around for a while, Airborne's a little bit harder. They sound a little bit more like ACDC, but... That's who came to mind listening to the Carburetors. A band that's really trying hard to keep the spirit of rock and roll alive by channeling their influences, but not really adding much in the way of new stuff to the mix. So again, nothing terrible, nothing wrong with that but not really something I'm going to revisit. So Drinking from the Skulls of Our Enemies, I can't recommend it. If you've got nothing else to listen to, looking for something new, check it out. At least listen to the first couple tracks. They should make you happy. They should satisfy you. Then once you get through Rock Until We Die, just be forewarned. After that, very, very milk toast rock and roll stuff. Now this was another recommendation. This came from a friend of mine, uh, Black Star writers. Now I was vaguely aware of Black star writers floating around in the back of my head, but I' never really listened to them. Of course, they are made up of the remnants of Thin Lizzy. Now, I'm not saying that there's any members, original members of Thin Lizzy in Black Star Riders, but it's one of those situations where the people who had come in to fill in to keep Thin Lizzy going, and then the older members would back out, retire, drop out of touring, the younger members would keep going so this is what you get now they decided to carry on under a different name black star writers have been around for a little bit of course their bass player fondness from me to him not only because he has the same last name as me robbie crane but He, of course, played bass in one of my all-time favorite bands, that would be Rat. So, Blackstar Writers, the song I'm reviewing is Crazy Horses. The new album they've got out is Wrong Side of Paradise, which I am strongly debating reviewing this for you kids, maybe at the end of March. Because I heard enough of this album, along with the song Crazy Horses. Now, it's not anything earth-shattering. It's not going to be album of the year. But it's solid. Now, Crazy Horses, I know why my friend recommended this, because this one's a little different. This one has got some wicked, I don't know if it's guitar work, sound effects, to sound like. A literally like a crazy horse, it's an awesome guitar hook or whatever synthesizer keyboard effect, whatever it is. Crazy Horses rocks. It is a very cool song from Black Star Riders. I recommend you listen to this. And like I said, I've listened to about three or four other songs off of their new album, Wrong Side of Paradise probably gonna review it because we're probably gonna have another dry spell coming up at the end of march before we get metallica in april so check out crazy horses from black star riders now here's a band you guys know you should know even though they were not as popular as they probably should have been or could have been in the craze from the 80s and the early 90s. The hair metal craze, the L.A. hard rock scene. Just saw them in concert last year. That would be L.A. Guns. And we talked about the fact their new album is coming out here in the next couple months, Black Diamonds. First single is called You Betray. Now, You Betray is an interesting song. Now, I'm not going to say it's a bad song. I'm not going to say it's a good song. Yeah, way to take a stand, Maestro. But it doesn't sound like a lead-off single for a new album. It sounds like a track, if you were ranking 10 or 12 songs off a new album from a band, It sounds like it'd be in the middle. Sounds like it'd be like the fifth or sixth best song on a good album. Musically, it's propulsive. It rocks. It grinds forward. Very enjoyable musically. But the song structure is kind of odd there is no real chorus to it Um, and we'll get into that in a minute here with the other band we're gonna review the last one here on breakdown so the song structure is a little bit different and again I'm not criticizing that always up for something a little bit different a little unique even a little bit experimental but Aside from the propulsive guitar work driving the song forward, it's good, not great. Kind of like how I felt about the entire Carburetors album. And then at the end, the yelping of, You betray, you betray, just. I don't want to say it's embarrassing. It just, it, it again, the song is more, in the end, a little bit freeform. It's not a lead-off single. It does not bode well for Black Diamonds. Now, of course, L.A. Guns recently put out Checkered Past, which I thought was a, a really solid album. So I will give the Guns... The benefit of the doubt I will assume that you betray is an indicative of how the rest of the album is going to go so while I can't recommend you betray do not write off LA guns just yet let's wait and see what the second and maybe the third single sound like. And then, of course, once Black Diamonds comes out, we'll review it here on The Fortress. Now, finally, we're going to revisit a band that I have talked about, um, a personal, I guess you'd call them favorite of mine. And I kind of want to put favorite in quotes because it's one of these bands that... I listen to, and I have a lot of their albums, because I admire the songwriting so much, but they they frustrate me and infuriate me. We just talked about the song structure of You Betray and the lack thereof. Same thing with The Hold Steady. So a couple weeks ago, we reviewed the first single. Off their upcoming album, The Price of Progress, that song was Sideways Skull. And you guys know, if you go back a couple weeks, and of course every every episode of The Fortress, all 80 to date, are available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Amazon, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, wherever. You listen to your favorite podcasts. You have options and you can find us. But again, the second single now is Sixers. And again, I want to point out how impressed I am with Craig Finn's lyrics. I've talked about in the past how the Hold Steady have a little bit of a Springsteen feel to them musically, the detail in the lyrics, the tales of youthful desperation and substance abuse and getting in bad situations, romances that are doomed to fail. So you kind of get where I'm going when I, I compare them to Springsteen. But like You Betray, there is no song structure in a lot of the Hold Steady's work. Now, when they actually do put a chorus in there, the songs seem to work a little bit better. Now, I've talked about accessibility. I know radio accessibility is an anachronism because we really... Don't get new music on the radio anymore, at least new rock and roll. But back in the day, back when I was growing up in my teens and 20s, radio accessibility meant something. You came up with a song that was catchy, that had a hook, that had a chorus that people could uh, sing to themselves in the shower, among their friends, in the car, on a summer night, over and over and over again. An earworm, if you will. And I think the, the frustrating thing about a band like The Hold Steady is that they don't play that game. So again, the detail in Craig Finn's lyrics are it's just unbelievable. I almost think the guy should be writing books. Because the hold steady their lyrics are so detailed here in Sixers we get the story of a restless woman watching late night basketball she can't sleep her drug stash you know she hooks up with a guy another doomed romance they bump into each other awkwardly at the end as he's dating somebody else again brilliant brilliant detail fantastic storyline as is the case with most of the hold steady songs but again is it a catchy song is it something that's going to stick with me in the end I'm starting to get to the point with the hold steady where I say no because all their songs are starting to sound the same sideways skull Sixers, there's not much, in my opinion, outside of the detail of the lyrics to differentiate them musically. So in that sense, again, I'm getting a little frustrated with the Hold Steady. Um, And I know I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when I talked about Sideways Skull. They have got to figure out a way to expand and grow and change. And again, I'm the guy who likes bands basically stay in their lane, perfect the formula that worked for them, that made them the performer, the bands that they are. But in the case of the Hold Steady, they need a curveball. They need a change. They need to, dare I say, stop being so pretentious and just get to be more of a catchy bar band so there you go kids outside of crazy horses from black star writers I don't know if I can fully recommend any of the other music here on breakdown this week again the first couple songs off the carburetors drinking from the skulls of our enemies Those songs, Hurricane and Rock Until We Die, are worth a listen. L.A. Guns, The Hold Steady, Not Really. Your Time Is Better Served Elsewhere. Your Ears. Listen to some old Van Halen, of course. Or maybe you want to listen to some of the music we will talk about in the next segment as doc brown just got a baconator from wendy's just pulled back in the garage honked the horn in the delorean the rock and roll delorean he is waiting for me to climb in so we can go back in time celebrate anniversaries and birthdays in rock and roll history. So I want to go back is next. I'm the maestro here on the fortress of rock and we will be right back. All right. Now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history Birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases, it is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned, and as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket PocketCast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, Doc Brown and I are getting ready to slip and slide into the time stream in the Rock and Roll DeLorean, getting ready to revisit classic moments in rock and roll history, anniversaries and birthdays, here in I Want to Go Back, segment three each and every week. Here on the Fortress of Rock, our tribute to the late, great Eddie Money. But of course, this is the time each and every Friday night where we have to take care of a little bit of business. Now, I mentioned in the last segment a couple of the places you can find the Fortress of Rock. I would be remiss if I didn't cover all. Of your options, the platforms where you can find The Fortress, outside of course of the one that you're using right now to listen to us. Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible. You can find The Fortress on any of those platforms and of course check out our Facebook page where each and every weekend we have a couple things going on every Friday along with us posting a link to the latest Fortress of Rock podcast episode we do a little thing known as the weekend rock project We give you a topic, a band. You give us your favorite songs when it comes to that band or that topic or that word. Last week, of course, it was Oopy Goopy Valentine's Day where we talked about songs with love in the title. So we did a complete 180 this week. looking for your songs, rock songs that deal with war and conflict and battle and soldiers. And I know it's not going to be a favorite topic for the snowflakes out there, but deal with it. Don't take it that seriously. And then, of course, every Sunday is New Music Sunday, where I post... A video from YouTube, a lyric video, or an actual full-fledged, big-budget video for a new song from one of the bands that we talk about here on The Fortress. So make sure you check out the Facebook page every weekend for that fun stuff. Alright, let's start off with birthdays here in I wanna go back. Couple birthdays, kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Going back to February the 24th of 1950, 73 years old today, the great George Thorogood born on this day, again, in 1950. Fortunate enough to have seen George Thurgood here a couple times over the last five years or so. Had never, ever gotten to see him before that. So I did not get to see him in his prime. If you can really say George Thurgood is ever out of his prime, the man still tears it up, still puts on a good show. And I will upset the rock and roll snobs out there when I say this. And of course, this will not be the only time I say this about an artist, because you all know how I feel about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Why doesn't George Thorogood? ever get any consideration for the rock and roll hall of fame you put in the eurythmics and lionel richie last year for god's sake but you won't even give george Thurgood the time of day to me it's embarrassing but again I've already done my rant today on Live Nation and Ticketmaster. I'm not going to do one on my next favorite target of abuse, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Happy birthday to the Delaware Destroyer, George Thorogood. Now, a few years earlier... February the 24th 1947. One hit wonder. Still though to this day. A song that pops up on the radio, on TV shows, in movies. I actually just listened to this song a couple days ago as I was going through my Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack CDs. And then also, interesting mention for this song in a story on Ultimate Classic Rock. And we'll get to that in just a second. Now, it is not the Pina Colada song, technically even though that's what I think most people call it. Rupert Holmes, born on this day in 1947. The song is technically called Escape. And the subtitle in parentheses is the Piña Colada song. Now, when I mentioned ultimate classic rock, and by the way, always keep in mind that my three main sources for story ideas for segment 1 and here in segment 3 ultimateclassicrock.com this day in music.com and of course when we've got van halen news the van halen news desk now i think ultimate classic rock had a interesting list right around valentine's day last week talking about anti-love songs and they mentioned rupert holmes classic escape aka the pina colada song and i had to laugh completely agree with their evaluation of it because again if you Think about the lyrics, and it was a different time. The 70s, different time than what we're dealing with nowadays. A husband and a wife, both looking to cheat on their spouse. putting one ads out there, trying to find somebody who likes the things that they like. And then, of course, lo and behold, at the end, they end up meeting each other. Because, oh, they do like the same things. Then why are you people acting so miserable and trying to cheat? (laughs) So... I think Ultimate Classic Rock nailed it when they called it, I believe they called it an anti-love song. But they called out the negative connotations of the song, and you know, it's bouncy, fun, beat, and lightweight song structure and texture, when it's really kind of a nasty, terrible song. Again, about two married people wanting to cheat on each other. It is it is not a feel-good song. <laughs> All right, moving on to anniversaries. Speaking of something that's not really feel-good. We start off February the 24th, 1992. The doomed marriage of Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. Cobain and Love exchanged vows today, I believe, in Hawaii, back in 1992. And we all know what happened with the leader of Nirvana committing suicide. Yes, as with everything, there are conspiracy theories out there that Courtney Love had something to do with Cobain's death, whether directly or indirectly. one thing i don't think you can argue is that courtney love comes off and has always come off as i don't want to say a money grubber but she knew marrying kurt cobain could only help her career i firmly and totally believe that and i believe in some way she took advantage of Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain never came off as the most stable human being in the world. I think she manipulated him. She gained press. She gained attention. She gained notoriety from being his wife and then, of course, his widow. And that, of course, pushed her band whole to some modicum of success beyond that you make your own judgments i am not a fan of courtney love i think she is a prototypical example of what popular rich male celebrities fear when they're single and the types of women they will meet going back to February the 24th of 1976 this one kind of shocked me a little bit we talked recently about gold records and we talked about the recording industry Association of America and when they established gold records I did not realize that it took until February the 24th of 1976 for the RIAA to award their first platinum album. Of course, platinum means sales of a million units. And I don't know if it's changed, but I believe at the time, platinum for singles, because they were so popular back then, Was 2 million units. So an album was platinum for sales of 1 million, a single for 2 million. But the first certified platinum album, one of the greatest selling albums of all time, greatest hits. I think now we can say greatest hits volume one by the Eagles. going back to February the 24th of 1968 the debut studio album from Fleetwood Mac was released now of course that band has gone through so many changes so many different configurations as I was reading about this I did note that this was the only Fleetwood Mac album to not feature Christine McVie. Of course, Peter Green was a prominent member of Fleetwood Mac back then. I believe the band was actually called Peter Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. But you would think, given the name, We all know that John McVie and Mick Fleetwood were probably involved. Duh. We know Bob Welch at one time was in Fleetwood Mac. And then, of course, they hit superstardom once they brought Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks into the fold. Now, I've never been a a big Fleetwood Mac fan. Don't hate them. Don't love them. Some of their songs I still like. I still find interesting. I think The Chain is a phenomenal song. Probably my favorite from Fleetwood Mac. I thought Stevie Nicks had a, early on, when she was younger, had a gorgeous, sexy voice. That kind of faded away when she went solo in the 80s. Lindsay Buckingham kind of that rock and roll mad genius in the band out of the band in the band out of the band And then finally as Doc Brown is telling me we've got to get back to 2023 He doesn't want us to miss Friday Night Smackdown. So, February the 24th, 1965. And I do miss the old rock and roll movies. I was so happy when the Foo Fighters put out Studio 666. Of course, you can look at Kiss and the Phantom of the Park. But of course along with Elvis Presley, it was the Beatles who really spearheaded the quote-unquote rock and roll movie. So on February the 24th, 1965, the first full day of filming for the movie Help!, And that is going to do it for I Want to Go Back. Segment three is over. Done. Finito. But still one segment left. As you guys know, we've got to look ahead now after looking back. So segment four, we will take a look at future music reviews coming up in the next month or so. Wrap it up. We'll be right back, along with me, after one last quick promo break. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But, of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs, what albums, what concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. It is time to wrap things up here on the Fortress of Rock, episode 80, February the 24th, 2023. Of course, Wrap It Up is our tribute to the fabulous Thunderbirds. What kind of music are we going to discuss, review, talk about in the coming weeks? New stuff. Now, unfortunately, I will be Debbie Downer through no fault of my own and tell you that we do not have any concerts on the slate for quite a while unless something pops at the last minute, and that usually doesn't happen because, as you guys know, shows are typically announced months and months ahead of time. We're going to be uh, going through a dry spell when it comes to concert reviews for the next few months, but we do have a couple highly anticipated album reviews coming up for you over the next two weeks here on the Fortress of Rock. Next week, episode 81, as we get into March, will feature the new album from Steel Panther. The album is on The Prowl. And I believe I alluded to this last week. I don't know how I'm going to get through this review without saying something bad. I will do my best. I'll probably be able to pull it off. But considering that Steel Panther's lyrical content is extremely risque, body. Sexually explicit, it's going to take all my restraint. Next week, Steel Panther in our featured album review in segment two, Breakdown. And in two Fridays, two weeks from this episode on the 24th of February, we will review the new God Smack album. Lighting up the sky. So at least for the next two episodes, we have got top shelf album reviews for you. In terms of new songs. Still going to hang in there with Peter Gabriel. Probably going to have a review of The Court. Second single off his upcoming album, I Slash O. I'm trying to figure out what is going on, what to do with the Smashing Pumpkins. Now, a while back, we reviewed the first release of this massive Smashing Pumpkins project coming out later this year. Autumn, A-T-U-M, but I believe Billy Corgan has already come out and said you pronounce it like the season autumn. Beguiled was the song that we reviewed very good song now empires is out now another song off this project here's the interesting thing i looked on amazon and they are still not slated to put out the full project in a physical format until i believe may But if you go to Spotify, you have got a ton of songs out there under the title Autumn Act 1 and 2. So if that is not the full album release already out there on Spotify, how big, how monstrous is this whole project going to be when it finally hits in all its glory in May? So at some point, we'll get back to discussing and reviewing the Smashing Pumpkins, whether it's just the song Empires, or I decide to dive into Act 1 and Act 2 of Autumn. I will let you know. Probably not going to be next week, so I'll give you fair warning for all you Pumpkins fans out there. Now, I believe I alluded to these two songs last week. If I did not, then I'm going to go off the rails a little bit here with some interesting recommendations from Spotify. Now, this band, the hard rock people out there know The Who. I know. Sounds like I was kind of sneezing and saying The Who at the same time. This is a. I don't know. You take them for what you want. <laughs> they are a hard rock band. Um, if you see a picture of them, if you happen to call up Spotify on a, a laptop or a TV, especially if you want, if you watch slash listen to your Spotify through like an Amazon Fire Stick, and you get a picture of the band as the song plays, wow. Now I've got friends who think this band is fantastic, so decided to give this song a shot because special guest vocalist William Duval of Alice in Chains on the song "This Is Mongol," subtitled "Warrior Souls," and then another song with a very cool guest vocalist. Now, while I had heard of The Who before, I have never heard of the band Fire From The Gods. They have got a new song called Thousand Lifetimes featuring who I believe to be one of the top 10 rock vocalists of all time. So you can tell why I was roped into this. Corey Glover of Living Color shares vocals on fire from the gods thousand lifetimes so i believe that song will be on next week's slate as will the (laughs) hue i just like saying it like that it's fun try it at home kids you'll have a blast so that'll do it for the fortress of rock friday night february the 24th glad to have you Along for the ride, as always. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Listen to some music. Listen to some new stuff or dig deep into your own personal album, CD, cassette archives. Love the one you're with. I'll check you out next week.